You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCart. <laughs> I'm Erin McCourt. Thank you for joining us this week. We're happy to have you here as we talk about Untold, the girlfriend who didn't exist. This is on Netflix. It's actually two episodes. Each one is about an hour. It was done in 2022 and directed by Ryan Duffy and Tony Vanuku. Now, this is the story about Manti Teo, who I had no idea who this cat was. I didn't know anything about this story. So this was all new information to me. I think most people in the world probably knew who this guy was and what the story was. So other people going into it would have a better idea of what to expect. I was completely unawares of anything. A complete noob, as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had some remembrance of this story from Manti's side, right? So he was huge, kind of a media darling. Everybody really loved him. He seemed to be like America's sweetheart kind of thing in the football arena as a college player looking towards his pro career. Notre Dame, which has a cult-like following and everything seemed to be good. They were playing in the national championship that year. And then all of a sudden this story comes out and that's where my understanding of it left off. I didn't know the rest of the story. So I thought that part was really interesting to see who had done the catfishing and what their story was. So I thought I really liked this. I found it very engaging. Even if you're not super sportsy, that part was really cool. Yeah. Oh, and I'm the least sportsy person ever. <laughs> yeah. But this one, even though it's two episodes, two hours total, it did not feel that long. It went very mm-hmm. quickly. I was engaged. I didn't mind watching it the second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was really, really well done. Right. It's a good one. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about Manti Teo. He's a Notre Dame senior. His senior year was particularly astounding. The main story was that he gained a little extra national attention initially because his grandma and his girlfriend died on the same day. It's a huge public interest story. Everybody knows about this. Think water cooler talk. You know, it doesn't matter that it's sports related. It's on USA Today. It's on all of the local news, national news everywhere. You can't get away from it. Like even to the point where one of the representatives in Congress from Hawaii mentions this. She mentions Manti in a speech as like the best representation from her state. And so that's kind of how big that it gets. Then the rest of the story becomes evident because it's discovered that his girlfriend wasn't real. He was catfished in this case. It's an elaborate hoax. There's a ton of bewilderment about basically how he didn't know and how this was pulled off and how it got to be such a huge story. So that's the basis of what this whole documentary is about. Well, and a lot of people questioning, did he know? Was he part of it? Was he trying to spin up publicity for one reason or another? And that's interesting to me that people immediately go to, well, he obviously did this. There's no way that he looks good here. He's either incredibly naive because he didn't know Or he's a shyster because he was in on it and his whole persona is a lie. So one way or another, he can't win. And I think that's also part of the bigger story that I didn't understand to the degree that it affected him 
And I thought that was, I mean, horrifying, but also extremely interesting because, you know, public opinion really seems to matter as much as we don't want it to. It's terrifying. Right. Right. We'll talk more about that towards the end, really, when they discuss it. So we meet Renaya Tuasosopo. Does that sound right? I think you got pretty close. Yes. Okay. Who goes by Naya now? So I'll probably go between Naya and Renaya. Naya is actually transitioning mm-hmm. to female. And I like how at the beginning of the documentary, they do put a disclaimer that none of the other people that were recording the documentary knew that Naya was transitioning. So whenever they refer to her as Renaya or him, they're not doing it out of cruelty. They just, they didn't know that this was happening. Right. It wasn't common knowledge at the time of taping. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Renaya lived in California at the time, I believe, grew up in an athletic family, and she was talking about how her, like, dads and uncles and brothers, like, a lot of the family played in professional football, not just like, oh, you know, we did great in high school, they actually played in professional football, so it was assumed that Naya would also play football. Naya didn't really like football, but she decided to play because they wanted to please their father more than anything, right? Right. It's a family legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not a suggestion that you play is basically the story we get. So as a sophomore, she starts as quarterback. She hates football, of course, wanting to please her family and really cannot be who she wants to be. She knows that there's something she's drawn to being a female, but that's not an option at this time. So that is how the profile for Lene comes around. She decides to create a female persona and put it out on the Facebooks and other social media so that she can talk to people in a way that makes her comfortable. A bit of an escape for her is how it starts off. Other than the pictures that she does take off of someone else's page, other than that, in the gender itself, everything else was true to who she was. And so she felt like she can be more honest, which is a horrible word to say, considering what she's doing. But she felt like she was being more honest about herself in this profile than, say, her other profile, which would have had Renaya as the name. Right. And again, this is a kid. This is a child, somebody in high school that's making these decisions. So I think that that's a big part of this. We can't... <laughs> I don't think that they had the idea that it would become the juggernaut of a story that it did. So I definitely think that that's something we need to keep in mind when talking about this. Right. They took pictures from someone that they actually knew, which is good and a little dangerous, I guess. This girl that Naya took pictures from was popular in school. She was beautiful, also Polynesian, which Renaya is Polynesian as well. And so it seemed to fit kind of what she thought she would like to look like and be like. But how in the world? Because at some point, I guess maybe by the time that Lene had connected family members to the profile, which would have Renaya on it, that that girl was no longer, like if they were moved out of high school by that point, so she was no longer really paying attention to anything. It just, that is one thing about all this, how she never knew any of this. Right. So we're talking like, I would say 2007, 2008 is probably when this profile was created because 
there was some discussion of Naya had talked as Lene with other guys before Mante came on the scene, before they kind of began chit-chatting. So there was a formula that was happening. So it had to have gone on long enough that there was a well-established pattern that went along really well for so long. And then it got to the point where they wanted to meet up and then it crashed and burned, right? Because that was not possible. So, yeah. So think about, it's not like social media was new in the late 2000s, but there was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. I don't think it was like Facebook and MySpace and some of those kinds of things. That's really the time frame in which we're talking. So let's spin off and we'll talk a little bit about Manti Teo. He is a Hawaii Hawaiian native. I mean, as in that's where he's from. The town is L-A-I-E, which is a lot of vowels for one <laughs> consonant. And he discusses that really his family is all about faith, family, and football. This is very common in the Polynesian culture. They're Mormons. I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I was not aware. Okay. So his dad worked with him. His dad trained him once he really decided that he wanted to pursue and really focus on football. His mom talks about how football is going to help with his education costs. So that's another aspect of what's going on here. So not only does he really enjoy it, he loves it, it's his passion, but also it's a way to perhaps get a scholarship because they cannot afford to send him to school without it. So that's sort of another driver here. I like the fact that they talked to Robbie Toma, who was friends with Manti growing up in Hawaii and also went to Notre Dame with him and played football with him. And so it was kind of a a nice touchstone for him to have throughout this process, which you know, when you go somewhere really far away, I have moved across country before and to have no one there to talk to can be very lonely. So it was good that he had someone with him to go through this. A hundred percent. He also talks about that Manti was a person with great principle and that's something that he learned from his family. So this is somebody who knew him before all of this blew up, before he was famous, before kind of the good and bad sides of his story but I agree with you how, how fortunate to have somebody that knows you and can relate. Right. And what's interesting about you saying that he was a man of great character and that up until the scandal, everyone would have said that who met him, that he was, he was very principled. He was very into the church and he was a good kid. And I mean, it was just, crazy how every single person who met him said that he was just a genuinely good person who wanted to help people. Right. And then once that happened, they were like, well, he must suck. It was so crazy. Right. I think that he comes across in this as incredibly genuine. He's interviewed quite a bit and he seems like a person that I would want to know. He just, I don't know. He's just He's got a warmth to him. And like I said, to me, it's just he comes across as extremely genuine. Right. And I like that. Mm -hmm. Also, can we say that he's aged very well? I mean, he was he was cute as a kid. Don't get me wrong, but he is extremely attractive now. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. He's a stone cold hottie. And I'm like, oh, hello. (laughs) I could watch this again and again. (laughs) Could we put some short shorts on you, please? (laughs) Um, Not only that, he's a beast. He's a linebacker and he is highly sought after, especially as a senior. So he's got the whole package. He's 
a lovely on the inside, clearly lovely on the outside, as we have mentioned. And he's very skilled at the foosball, if you will. So we talked to Jack Swarbrick, who is the athletic director of Notre Dame at the time of the recruitment and the rest of this story. So Jack kind of talks to us a little bit about that Notre Dame has a national following, kind of a rich history in football up until the 90s when they kind of start to fall off the map a little bit. They kind of hit a lull, if you will. They kind of crapped out in 94, but they have an intense following. And as someone who's lived in South Bend and been around the campus a little bit, it is it is neat. They have a lot of reverence. And so I think that that played into this quite a bit. So I think what's interesting about South Bend is Notre Dame is really the only thing in South Bend. So <laughs> the rest is kind of crappy. So yeah, and the bars closed really early. At least they were, they did when I was there, and I found that very interesting in a college town. But in a Catholic college town, Catholics are drinkers. <laughs> yes. Man. So I was like, oh, I'm sorry, it's midnight. Oh, oh okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> so we reset for the day. Indeed, indeed. So Manti has a recruiting weekend at USC, and this is sort of his pinnacle. This is where he's always felt drawn to. He's excited about going there. He goes and the weekend visit seems to go really well. He is praying about it. He goes and talks to somebody named Gary Satterway at the athletic office at his high school. And that sort of turns Manti's focus from USC to Notre Dame because the thought is perhaps he would be more of a unique player Instead of the next great Polynesian player, he would be the Manti Teo. So it's kind of shifting that perspective, and he might stand out a little bit more if he goes to Notre Dame. And he feels led, like he feels led by faith to going to Notre Dame. So on signing day, uh, Manti does choose to go to Notre Dame, but he feels like his heart's really not in it. So he's he's still unconvinced. He's going to go with what everybody says, or at least this guy says, and instead of following his heart, he kind of allows himself to be drawn to Notre Dame is sort of the gist that I got from that part of the story. Right. And let's also put in perspective, he got almost 50 offers from schools around the country. He was essentially the best player in that position in the country. So he could go anywhere he wanted to go. And he chose, yes, a historic program and historic program, whichever one is grammatically correct, but they hadn't been doing so well. So, you know, to go into that position, there were a lot of expectations on him. This is one cat and they expected him to essentially turn it all around, which is a lot for a kid. Yeah. I had also not thought necessarily about the huge transition from moving to gorgeous, gorgeous Hawaii to cold as fuck South Bend. <laughs> yeah. So he's, you know, so he's now surrounded by people who are majority a different religion. He's a minority as a Polynesian in a sea of white people, mostly. So he talks about it being, as a freshman in 2009, a difficult transition year for him. But he doesn't really speak out about it much because he doesn't want to, A, disappoint people. I don't think that he wants the difficulties known I mean, guys don't talk about feelings too much anyway, and I think that that's also (laughs) playing into this, but I had not really thought about the enormity of a transition like that. Like, you're 
you're leaving behind everything you know. So I, again, was really excited that he had his friend with him and they were able to go together. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because he did talk to his friends in that, but he didn't talk to like his family or the powers that be. He didn't want his family to feel bad for him and he didn't want the powers that be to think that he wasn't committed or whatever. So yeah, you keep it kindly to yourself. He said he just uh, relied on his faith to guide him. And I thought maybe that wasn't the best decision we've ever made. But... <laughs> yeah. So then we'll talk a little bit more about Renaya, who was talking about the profile that he'd made. It was an escape for him, but he felt it was manageable. He's building a depth of the profile. So he's making connections with his actual family, kind of linking that to, to give it some credence, right? Well, I think the only actual person was himself as Lene's cousin. Everyone else was also fake profiles. Also made up. Like the sisters and brothers and that. I think they were all fake profiles that Renaya portrayed. That's a lot of work. Yeah, but it's still, when you're looking through the profile, you're going to feel more confident that this person is real because all of this is kind of linked together, right? So as a person who's looked at profiles before, I'm suspicious of people with one picture and very little information. And, you know, so this is kind of, and it's not a manipulation, but it's next door to that, right? It's just kind of a, just trying to make sure that people believe the lie. Fluffing out that character. And yeah. again, I just look at this as so much work. <sighs> I mean, and when you're not happy with yourself, I understand it. I don't condone what Naya did, but I understand why Naya did what they did. But it's, uh, whew, that's something. Yeah. So Manti gets a friend request from Lene and he's looking at the pictures and she looks Polynesian and she's a beautiful young woman. Yep. The pictures that were taken (laughs) were of a beautiful young woman. And what's interesting is that Lene had actually started talking to Shiloh Teo first, which is Manti's cousin. And so, you know, Manti's, like, hey, Shy, uh, do you know this person? Have you talked to her? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. We've talked for a little bit. I mean, it's nothing deep, nothing whatever. But yeah, I've, I've talked to them. And so he's like, all right, cool. Right? That seems legit. It's a real person. Right. Which kind of speaks to a little bit of due diligence that he's doing, like getting some confirmation that this person, you know, the connection that he has, he's poking them and, and seeing what the story is. So it's especially devastating, in my opinion, that the later events happened where you're like, but I, I did ask the right questions, right? Ooh, yeah, terrifying. Right. It kind of reminds me of the Tinder swindler when they're like, listen, we, we oh, looked yeah. them up, we Googled them, and it was there. So, yeah, you try to yep. do your best, and sometimes people are just better than that. Yep, yep. So they're friendly at first. Then um, the first game that Manti is playing against Nevada – there's lots of expectations and pressure, and of course, Robbie is on the team. He's more confident. It's just nice to have some people in his corner. I think that that's sort of where this came from. He was lonely. He was feeling down. He was feeling a lot of pressure during this transition, and so all of these home connections, I think, took on a lot greater meaning than maybe they would have in a different situation, but he is a perfect star athlete, right? He is exactly what the university is hoping to draw attention to and he fits that bill just beautifully for them right he said the minute he got to the field he was fine he didn't have any doubts he would go out there and play and show him why you know they wanted him in the first place 
And that's nice to know that even though you have anxiety leading up to it, once you get out there, you know you can do your job. You know you can do it well. A couple of things. One, we talked to Alex Flanagan several times throughout this. She's a sports broadcaster. She, being a girl, is a sports broadcaster and was for quite a while. And I'm like, you go, girl. There are so few of you out there. So well done, ma'am. She seems to be fairly well known. Mm -hmm. But also, can you imagine doing your job in front of a crowd of people? I mean, I guess they're kind of performers, but they're not technically performers. You don't go into football to perform. You go into football to play. It's not like doing stand-up comedy or something or a musical. It just seems so stressful because anything you do wrong, you have 80,000 people going, oh, you know, or boo or whatever. Yeah, the stakes are high. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Well done to everyone who plays a sport in front of people. (laughs) So it's a trade-off, right? The big sports the big crowds, the big money probably translate well into the best opportunities. You're kind of setting yourself up for success professionally. You know, if you're able to go on to the NFL or something like that, and the more people like you, the better you do. I think that's really everybody's, I mean, their best hope for you, right? It seems that Manti was aware of the fact that he would not be a normal student, he wouldn't be able to just enjoy the atmosphere as somebody that's blending in. I think everywhere he goes, people know who he is. And he handles it well. He seems to handle it pretty well, but there seems to be some awareness that he's lost his ability to just kind of be there and enjoy his experience. He's always on. He has to be aware of where he is and what he's doing and blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was kind of a bummer for him. Like, I would hate to have to be on all the time. Because not only on the field do you have to be amazing, you have to be a decent person off the field because everybody's got cameras in this point and we know what happens when you don't. Right. God forbid that you do something wrong and you cuss out loud and then... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's all downhill from there. Ugh. I like how Alex actually says that essentially every parent wanted their kid to be like Manti. He was just the perfect package for Notre Dame, for his family, for the fans, for everybody. He had everything for them. So with Lene, they started talking, you know, every now and then it was very light, very, hey, how's it going? Blah, 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 but not all the time. And Naya does talk about going through, like you had said, a repetitive series of meeting someone, getting to know them, talking to them, getting involved. And the minute they want to meet, she's out, right? She has to be. And she talks about any time she needed a connection because she felt kind of lowly, she would reach out to Manti and he would be there because he's a good guy. Now, junior year, Manti gets a text. He gets a text from Lene that her dad, was it in prison? I have that he was ill. He was okay, sick. That makes more mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. than saying he was in prison. But I'm like, I couldn't really hear what they said. And I'm like, okay, well, he's not there. Something's wrong with him. So her dad is ill. You know, they have a lot of connection. There's some commonality between them. as They are both religious. They're both Samoan. And it's also an escape for him as it is for Naya. And so, you know, that's how connections are formed. You've got some common interests. You guys are hanging out and talking at the same time. They do talk on the phone quite a bit. So it's not just text. So he is talking to her and that also doesn't send up any red flags because she sounds like a she. That's another thing that um, everybody's like, how would you never know? And I'm like, you weren't there. It's easy to judge when you weren't in his shoes. Even Robbie says that 
he was in the room when they were talking, like they were playing video games and talking, which is exactly some things like a kid would do as I can attest, because my kids are always on the phone doing homework, sleeping, and there's somebody on FaceTime and whatever. And it's super weird. And I'm not saying that's what they were doing, but yeah, when you're with somebody, when you're talking to somebody and they're sort of around ambiently and Robbie didn't have any hesitation to believe that she was real and she was female. Right. So yeah. I mean, they do play some of the voicemails. Yeah. Later. Yeah. She sounds like a woman. I wouldn't have questioned yeah. it at all. Robbie even says that she has a great voice. And it's not weird to them that it's a long distance relationship because Robbie also has a long distance girlfriend. So it's not unheard of when you're in college to be dating somebody that goes to a different school and you don't see them very often. That's not, I mean, this is what the internet is for basically is to, you know, hook up with people all over the world so and watch cat videos i mean the best of that yes i like how naya makes a comment she says i think he wanted that openness and realness in a relationship and i thought mm, i mean it wasn't really real though was it I mean, really really real well, i think it's funny too to talk about there's a lot of shit about if you get too physical in a relationship too fast and now we're seeing that there's shit if you are just emotional and have a intellectual relationship with somebody that also is not okay with society you know you just you're never gonna write according mm-hmm. to what other people think yeah Nye also talks about having a lot of excuses of why they couldn't meet or why they couldn't facetime like they would facetime call and then she could see manti manti couldn't see her and you know she's like i can see you and he's like i can't see you and she's like oh it must be a connection or whatever my yeah. screen is broken <laughs> yeah yeah i'm in a tunnel <laughs> you know <laughs> yes All the excuses that you would hear from someone who is trying not to meet. And he really wants to meet her. He talks about going out there to meet her. Like he's willing to make that trip. And Naya knows that she can't meet Manti, but she also knows that she can't end it. Well, I mean, part of, part of this is that she's going to Stanford, right? That's part of the story that she is at a different college. Yes. Yeah. So when we say going out there to see her, that's sort of, you know. Right. To California. But this is when Manti gets a text that Lene was in a car accident and she's on life support. And Maya goes, there was the right thing to do. And then there was what I chose to do. (laughs) So she is very well aware that these decisions that she made back then were not good choices. She has some perspective now, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, it's still hard to watch this train wreck. It's um, it's something. So the brother calls from the hospital and he's talking to Manti. I say brother, I use Cody fingers. It's, it's Renaya. And he's like, do you want to talk to her? Like she's on life support, but you could talk at her. And so he's, talking at her and apparently it made a difference. Like the nurse said it made the biggest difference and the most response that she had seen. So of course, Manti feels like he's making a difference. He's doing well and, and helping someone. And really all he wants to do is help people. And so he calls every day. And that's, in my opinion, very cruel. <laughs> this is where it takes a bit of a turn beyond I'm just talking to someone that I'm interested in. I'm mm-hmm. sort of leading somebody on. It's in the same vein, but we are way down the line of 
in my opinion, this is horrible manipulation. And we're just trying to see how far we can take it as a young person. Like I said, I I try to keep that in perspective. Who's say what people would do if they thought they could get away with whatever. But this is a little rough that she's laying there breathing, gasping for breath. And he's saying her name and she like breathes a little bit more normally. I mean, day after day after day. Yeah, I have a comment about that in a minute, too. Oh, God. Okay. So while she's in the hospital, then, she was also diagnosed with leukemia. That's where they jumped the shark, in my opinion. Just calm down. One thing or the other. You can't have every bad thing happen at once. I agree. My notes say, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's not bad enough. There's not enough drama for you that now we have to invent a secondary complication right and Manti is especially sensitive to cancers I think there's some history in his family with that and Mm -hmm. I mean talk about pushing buttons oh my god oh it's uncomfortable to think about it's so bad so this carries on for a month or so he's on the phone every day calling and talking at her and finally at one point he hears her say his name Mm mm-hmm okay I'm going to stop you right there. She's on life support. She's probably intubated, which means she can't (laughs) fucking talk to you. (laughs) That's probably what you're hearing is the oxygen machine. You're not hearing her breath. You're hearing the machine breathe for her is what it sounded like to me, what they were describing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that's where I'm like, no. (laughs) I love the fact that you're bringing some logic into this because I'm like, (laughs) how is this a thing? How? I don't understand. I don't understand. Listen, Lene. Yes, on that side, not on Manti's side. Although, I don't know. I don't know if you're really drawn into this situation. Okay, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. The part where he's saying, she's like, (gasps) you know, and then she says his name and like goes on and then she just stops breathing while they're on the phone. Are you fucking kidding me? That's just so mean. Yeah. Yeah. Just just drawn on all of that emotional charge and uh listen. It is lifetime movie worthy. You are 100% correct. Mhm. It's crazy. But Manti was just so happy that he had this effect on her and was helping that he wasn't thinking logically. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but Lene in the future, just so you know, wouldn't have worked that way for future schemes right so we do again talk to his mom and dad this is Manti's folks and they have a lot of big concerns over Lene over the long distance relationship part he does fib to them about having met her basically because he didn't want to get grief from his dad which I'm like 100% dude yep been there (laughs) right Robbie says that it's starting to fall apart a little bit for him as I have finally there's a skeptic yeah he looked up the Orange County accident that she was supposedly in mm-hmm. and there was no mention of anything mm-hmm. so his folks again start to talk a little bit about they overlooked some red flags because she was Polynesian and they were more accepting because of that and I thought that was an interesting thing like yeah I mean sometimes we just want things to be true I get it I can completely understand where you'd be like, well, 
you know, that's okay. We'll just overlook that bit. Yeah. Right. We don't want to judge too harshly. Right. So in 2009, Manti talks about catfishing wasn't known to most people. That wasn't a common term. That's what they say in the documentary. (laughs) I agree that catfishing as a term was not known. However, from the beginning of the internet, and maybe it's because I'm a woman, and as a woman, you know, you go into things a little bit differently, but it's been known from day one that people abuse the internet and are portraying themselves as someone else. And, you know, as a woman, it's always like, if you're going to meet someone, meet them in public because you don't know what they look like. You don't know who they really are. And so it seems that part to me does seem naive that he didn't even think that was an option because even if catfishing as a term wasn't known, you should always think of that as an option. Well, I think part of the other thing here is he's really focused on football. It's not that he's super focused on his relationship with this person. So I think that that's another thing that they were not, I mean, they were involved and they were like talking and stuff. He didn't seem to be a kid that was going out with lots of different girls that, that didn't seem to be his jam. So between trying to really execute at a high level in his football career, he also feels like he did verify that she was legit because she talked, you know, he talked to his cousin about it. And the cousin said, yes, I do know that this is a person and stuff, but they had never met either. But I think kids don't really worry about that the same way. They don't. Mm -hmm. And he had also talked to other people that were connected to Lene, like other profiles. And he would be like, Hey, you know, this person, right? And they're like, yeah, totally. Now, if you look at some of the profiles, Naya made up herself. So you could have been talking to Naya, but he didn't know that. So right. yeah, he right. he did what he thought was due diligence. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He does have, this is again, Manti, he has a moment where he's thinking about leaving for the NFL his junior year. He does decide to come back and play his senior year at Notre Dame, which is risky in some ways because you could be injured. You could lose out on money. You know, if you don't leave at the height of your popularity, it could cost you in contracts and stuff like that. So he decides that he's going to go back for his senior year and finish it out and get a degree. I mean, after talking to Lene and getting counsel from Lene, he decides to stay. Now, I'm not saying that that was the sole reason why he stayed. He talked to his family. He prayed about it. But that person also pushed him in that direction. So, yeah, it was... In my opinion, college will always be there. If you have this opportunity, you should take it. You can always go back and finish your degree. You can always go back and do those things. But this might not always be here, just for future reference. Right. And we'll continue with the Lene discussion. Renaya mentions living vicariously through Manti. There's a lot of things that are working for him or for her as Manti continues to play. So some of these tips on different techniques that he needs to, you know, whatever. So I think that that's part of their commonality and discussion as well. I guess at some point Manti mentions that he's got some trust issues, but Lene is a big emotional support. And again, here we see that kind of using something against him. And I'm like, it's so cringy. So Lene is still able to put him off, but at some point he does start to kind of not communicate quite as much as he had been before. So Maybe there's a little bit of loss of security in there somewhere as well. Right. He's This is his senior year. He's playing amazing. He is the golden child. Of course, he's surrounded by people who are propping him up. And he's got stuff to do, right? He can't 
only be there for her. He has his own life he has to live. But you're right. I think that security that she felt was then being taken away from her. Right. You know, it's not just security. I think it's some feel goods too. I I think it was an ego boost to be dating possibly one of the most high profile athletes at the time. I mean, like what a, how good must that have felt? You know? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, going through all the ego stroking, he's got a little bit of a big head, although this guy seems like the most humble person ever. So I can't, I mean, like it went up 10% maybe. I don't know. Right, right. So he does get a call at 6 a.m. that his grandma has passed away. Yep. September 12th, 2012. Yep. Yep. And then he gets a call from Renaya playing the brother that Lene has passed away. So again, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here with at one point she stopped breathing, but that didn't seem to actually be the end of her. It was more like a momentary thing, I guess on the breathing machine. I don't know that she said his name again with our hindsight on this. Some of it doesn't fall into place perfectly for me, but I get it. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my favorite parts is Naya was talking about, they had been arguing a bit and, uh, she said that he was responding in a very, like he was being very short with his answers. And, and I quote, I felt like he was hiding something like who he was or wasn't or something smaller. Was he hiding something smaller? <laughs> right. It's a bold claim. Yeah. And so it's that whole drama of, in hindsight, it's interesting because Naya says things like, I wanted to end it with Lene, not just with Manti. So you know, she wanted to kill off Lene in every way and separate from her, but she clearly doesn't or can't. She wants that reaction from Manti. She she says that she doesn't realize that Manti will behave the way he did when he found out Lene died, but I would bet money on the fact that that's what she was betting on. She wanted that reaction. Right. This is an addiction. Yes. In my opinion, for him. I mean, he, for her, she knows what she needs to do to break away from this. She knows it's not good for her or him. However, I think the feelings, the, I don't know what it is, that high that she is getting from working him this way is an addiction. And so when he starts to maybe, you know, move away from her a little bit, that's when she continues to hit him with these big dramatic things. That is, God, that is just adolescent relationship 101, in my opinion. Yes. Drama city. So much. Yeah. Yeah. So much. And I love the fact that Lene died from a, quote, long battle with leukemia. I mean, how long? She just found out she had it. And they don't really talk about her doing any kind of treatments, just that she was recovering from the accident. She didn't want to meet him because she wanted to be healed up already. So she was still recovering from the accident. So it couldn't have been that long that she had been battling leukemia. And then all of a sudden she's dead out of the blue. Seemed like a weird... Right, the car accident would have made more sense. She would have died with that. But just the leukemia took her out Mm -hmm. and she wasn't doing anything about it. I don't know. It just seemed it didn't fit. I also think it's interesting that it happens on the same day as his grandma dying. So that feels too coincidental to me. Like, I think it was planned. I think they don't specifically talk about it. No, but I think he had texted her about his grandmother dying and he was short in that. So she knew before she decided to do this. And then to say, I didn't know how he would react, I agree, is like really a short sell, like a, that's a cover my ass <laughs> moment where I'm like, let's see how this goes. 
I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's tough. We always want to think that if something happened to us that our partner would be devastated. Now, not long term. I want them to go on and live a happy life. But you want to think that you meant enough to your partner that they would be devastated for a period of time. And that's what she wanted to see in real time. So here's what really pushed me right over the edge. Lene's quote, brother, which would be Renaya, called Manti's parents. What the actual fuck? I would not ask my sister to call my mother-in-law if something happened to me. I would let John do that. (laughs) What in the world? Agreed. But then you don't get the extra horrible, cringy bits about being on the phone with these people for hours. Hours! Hours. Who had just lost a close member of their family. Yes. 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 Evidently, she was incredibly convincing. Well done. It's a brave move. I really admire... Renaya for coming on this. I think that she's portrayed really well, but to come on and tell this side of the story, supposedly, honestly, I mean, I think it's very brave. It's honest from her perspective now, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're somewhat removed from it. And I agree. She takes responsibility. She never once say she didn't do it or whatever. She doesn't necessarily have the best intentions throughout, but she takes responsibility for that. I give her complete credit. You're right. But it is so hard to watch this. Yeah. In these cases, there's some softening of the the harsh edges, in my opinion. But okay. Okay. You know, a lot of times people don't take responsibility. So I do commend her for doing that. Jack, the AD, comes back in and he's talking about life is continuing. The big games are coming up. Manti talks about the Michigan State game is upcoming. Lene's sister calls. That there are some letters to Manti. Another real twist of the knife, in my opinion. She wrote one for every game that he would play so she could read it before the game. Oh my God. Which means she knew she was dying and she just didn't tell him it was as bad as it was. She didn't want to. This again, it just, none of it works for me, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, how he ever recovered mentally is really commendable. But... Hopefully a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so he comes around to a point where he's going to try to play and inspire other people. So he's going to take his grief and put it towards a good purpose. And he's quite successful in doing that. Oh, yeah. He played that season for his grandmother and Lene, and he had one of his most successful seasons ever. But this story gets a lot of attention, right? You have already a kid who was held up as one of the best players in that position in the country. And now he's playing after, like the same day, I think they had a game that he had found out that his grandmother and his girlfriend had died. He goes out and plays. So this is this big feel-good story. They talk about the whole myth of Notre Dame and how it really feeds into it. Right. So now he's getting all these interviews. He's getting sit-down interviews and magazines and all of these things. So it's really exploded. Blowing up. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's the biggest story in sports. Alex talks about he's transcending. America loves this story. He is up for the Heisman. This is elevating him to possibly a first-round draft pick which also comes into question <laughs> some some criticism later. Mm-hmm. Um, Manti talks a little bit about the USC game coming up. 
Renaya comes and meets him after the game, kind of in, let's meet up and bro hug it out, and I'm going to bring my niece, which he had known through Lene. Mm-hmm. And so kind of a connection. And I'm like, again, this really is hitting on that stirring the pot aspect of Renaya slash Lene's system here. So they do meet. There is no other family which was not part of the plan. There were others that were supposed to be there from what I understood, but they Mm -hmm. did not show up. Because they don't exist, yes. Right. Hard to show up when you don't exist. Yeah, that's a problem. There's some credibility question, I think, that kind of flashes through Mante's mind. But again, you know, what what do you do at this point? So then he gets a call from Lene's sister. All of these people, by the way, are still Renaya. Yes, every one of them. Yep. Right. But it's actually Lene and she's not dead. And there's this wild story that goes on. And to Manti's credit, he says, I'm going to need more than just whatever it is you're trying to sell me here. I'm going to need a picture. Right. I'd like the picture of your face to be with dates, initials, and he asks a certain hand sign. Like, think hang 10. It's something similar to that. Mm-hmm. That would help give some reliability to this story. Credibility, so. yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Naya provided the picture. That really blew my mind. I was like, well done, girl. You got the hookup. You did a good job. Right. Because they showed the picture. And yeah, it's everything that he asked for. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking, as it were. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of where the first one ends, the first episode. So diving right into the second, we're going to take a little bit of a different perspective. So there's a guy named Jack Dickey. He's a Deadspin reporter. He receives an email about Manti's deceased girlfriend being fake. And there's this really funny part where he's like, I get a lot of stupid emails that don't really mean anything, but this one stood out and it was a good tip. Can we point out that Jack Dickey's voice sounds like a cartoon villain? (laughs) Could not get past his voice. (laughs) Right. You know, it, it talks about, it was someone named Chris who had said that Manti was a fraud. So in this email, he is saying that the girlfriend didn't exist, but he's essentially tying Manti to it saying that he knew it and was perpetuating it. You know, it was funny because Jack's like, well, this would be crazy if it were real. So they decide to look into it. He sends the tip to Tim Burke, who's also a reporter for Deadspin, apparently known for being able to find anything because he used to hang out with like Anonymous and shit. All right. I just thought it was funny because he almost has this mythical rep. At least that's how Jack talks about him, which I was like, okay. Right? He also has the same horrible hair that I do, so we're peace. (laughs) (laughs) And then I like the fact that they just Google a lot of stuff. Like, that's... Yeah. They talk about him having all these tools, and then he's like, well, I Googled it. (laughs) I'm like, am I a mythical reporter? (laughs) Nope. That's right. That's right. (laughs) They said they they Googled Lene Kua. And there were no mentions of her online outside of being Manti Teo's girlfriend. Like, she didn't exist outside of being his girlfriend. But in reality, most people wouldn't. Like, I don't exist on the internet at all. So I get that. If you were just a normal person, you probably wouldn't have much of a presence online 
other than this big thing here? Well, I think not finding her in that way, that was like sort of a step, this is a step-by-step process. So they're like, the first thing we're going to do is see if we can find her. And then when they couldn't find her, they're like, hmm. And so that caused them to dig a little deeper. The Heisman is being announced. It seems like a bit of a process. There's a lot of footage. Manti does not win. He loses to Johnny Manziel, which I also thought was funny because he he flamed out in the biggest way possible. He had such great credibility and then just was the absolute worst. Was he? I have no idea who this person yes. is. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know he's horrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, he mentions, this is again Manti, he's super confused over Lene's death, not death. Mm-hmm. But he does stick to the story at this time, like kind of going on with it because he doesn't really know anything different. It's just a suspicion. Um, he could be getting played by somebody. We d- we just don't really know at this point. So he kind of mentions like, I'm sticking to the story at this time. We have Tim is still looking into the story. His questions are kind of, does Lene exist? When did they meet? When did she die before or after the grandmother? So they find publications that are saying, First the grandmother died, then Lene died. Or Lene died, then the grandmother died, and they go all over the place. To which Tim thinks that's a huge problem. And I'm like, really? Is it though? I mean, same day. Same day is really enough. Of all the things to nitpick on. (laughs) I agree. Like, that's that's a really minute detail in my opinion. Although, again, I may or may not be a a reporter of mythical proportion. Yes, I think you may be. But. What is really interesting to me is the reason why Tim is really digging into the story isn't so much about Manti Teo or the non-existent girlfriend. It's more because he's seeing these publications who have put out these stories without fact-checking him. And so he wants the big news organizations and the sports writers to kind of be embarrassed by their lack of work, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting, too. So they're saying that that's the whole purpose of Deadspin is to poke holes in the major sports news organizations to kind of, I don't know, rectify something, perhaps. So they're looking for things like, was she a student at USC? Where was the... Oh, sorry. Thank you. Stanford. Where was the funeral held? They looked all over, up and down, everywhere to try to find the obit like a funeral announcement they couldn't find anything they called all of the places which I was like that's some shit I can get behind being on the phones there were no burial notices there was nothing you would expect to see independent of the Manti connection so again this is them coming at it from a like there should be something else here we're not seeing this this is confirmation that she's not real brilliant in my opinion Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's very well done. I mean, that's what you do, right? That's their job. It seems like it was very tedious, but that's what had to be done. And, of course, part of the question, is Manti involved? Was he doing this to help get the Heisman? Because my understanding is the Heisman isn't just given to the best athlete, but the one who sports writers really prop up throughout the year, right? Right. So you have to get to a certain level and then the writers are the ones that select out of the finalists is the one, the way that I understood it as well. So if you are getting love, I mean, this big story, I could understand where they are saying it would sway opinions and make a difference in your Heisman run. But I'm like, is he like 
Dr. Evil. Like, this is a real long game situation to me. <laughs> right. And I'm like, he doesn't come across as like a criminal mastermind. Right. And not that he couldn't be, but Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Right. And also, I think just your grandmother dying and then you going and playing is enough. <laughs> that's a big enough hit that you didn't right. have to add on the same day that your girlfriend died. That's something that would be made up and it would seem made up if you weren't actually right. living it, which is what he was doing. So Jack took on the job of finding out who was behind the Linnae identity profile, who was the one portraying Linnae. Tim took on the job of trying to find out who was the person in the picture. All those yes. pictures were somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> throughout this, Naya's going, I was feeling horrible. I couldn't share it with anyone. It ate away at me. And I thought, yes, this must be horrible for you. Yeah, and then he kind of starts to get the feeling that things are hitting the fan. So he does fess up to his family. They do have a discussion about the sexuality aspects of this. And I thought, well, that's good. I wish the pressure wasn't there because I'm sure that was uncomfortable. Right. So Christmas of 2012, Manti was home. And he tells his parents about the whole mess, that Linnea apparently was alive and what was going on. What's interesting is the way Manti portrayed it was, I was like, what? I don't know what's going on. Whereas his dad was like, he was like, she's alive. It's amazing. You know, so it's (laughs) interesting, those different perspectives. (laughs) Well, then they take the information. So I think there's enough doubt in their minds. They're like, we need to get another good opinion on this. So they take it to an uncle who's a evidently a lawyer and an expert in internets. I don't, <laughs> I don't talk about what kind of lawyer he was, but he is the one who initially said the word, I think, you know, I think you've been catfished. And so they're like, what are that? <laughs> right. Well, and then this is the one thing that the dad said that really kind of pissed me off. He said that he was upset with Manti. He said, you put our family in a bad light and you should have known my dude stop it. This kid is already going through enough. This is not about you at all. That one pissed me off. Yeah, he goes so far as to say things like, you're my firstborn, you carry the mantle for this, and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I guess, or whatever. It's just, you know, he also brought a lot of great accolades to your family to have a, you know, an amazing kid and a really good player and that kind of stuff. So I, I agree, that was kind of a shitty thing to say, but whatever. Then we talk to Jack again, who mentions that Manti has now shared this information with Notre Dame and they have a bunch of consultants because of course they would, you know, public opinion is a big deal. And the consultants are saying, let's just keep quiet for now. Just let it play out. We won't share anything at this point, but they know that something is coming, right? They know that there's, I don't know, there's, there's more to the story than what has originally been reported. They're just not sharing at this point. Right. Well, they said that. They said, you know, we'll keep it to ourselves, but let's find out what happened. Right. I like how, again, Tim with his crazy, crazy (laughs) dark web skills did a Google reverse image search to find (laughs) who this chick was in the picture. Right. It's amazing, Tim. Him and every petty woman I've ever met. Like, that's (laughs) this is the level of shit we're talking about. Like, yeah. And most of the pictures... Nothing hit, but then he did get a hit on one that was a MySpace page. But if anyone remembers MySpace, you didn't have your actual name associated with it. So I don't know how we found anybody on MySpace, but we did. And through that, like he could go through her different posts and 
he went through and found a Zanga post. I don't remember what Zanga was at I all. I don't know what that is either. No. But apparently that's where her full name was. And it was Diane O'Meara. And that's the girl who Naya was using the pictures of for Lene's profile. And of course, when Tim calls her, or no, he, he messages her on Facebook, something like, hey, did you know? And he tells her, and then she's like, what? And he said, all those images, with the exception of one, were taken from like Facebook or MySpace, right? But that one image of Diane holding the piece of paper with the initials and the date and the hand signal were you know, where did that come from? And I thought, yeah, Tim, where did you find that? Because wasn't that sent just directly to someone's phone? I mean, did she post it? How did he get that picture? I I have no idea. What a great question. But thank God he did have it, I guess. I don't know where the story would have just fizzled out there. I'm not really sure. It is known that she only sent that to one person. It wasn't available publicly that we know of. So she bulks initially at mentioning the name of the person who got it. She does not mention Renaya, but he does because it's being found out on the other end that Renaya is the one that is responsible for this. For the profile. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. 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 There was apparently a whole Twitter thing that people that Lene had previously spoken to had possibly relationship with were starting to come around to the fact that, this profile was created by Renaya and they're tweeting this. And so Jack and Tim are seeing this. Mm -hmm. There is some, I don't know if they kind of considered this proof or not proof. They were looking to see if they could tie Manti to Renaya. And there were some tweets between them, but it was more like, Hey, good job. Way to go. Kick butt this weekend. Like it's just very generic things it wasn't had a great time last night or like something that would imply a more personal relationship in my opinion so I I wasn't sure what the point of that was so yes they had spoken on the internets but it didn't really seem like there was much more than just a few like a handful of interaction yeah so I was unconvinced that they were in cahoots right I have tagged Neil Gaiman and things in the past and I'm pretty sure we're intimately related at this point so anyone's questioning sorry his wife amanda palmer i love you i'm just kidding well i I think you're probably commenting on his lord of the rings work (laughs) (laughs) it was horrible horrible sorry i can't believe you would do that i'm so sorry (laughs) anyway okay so now we're at the national championship this is 2013 this is a big game this is alabama roll tide versus notre dame of which i don't know fighting irish i don't know what they scream out they are the fighting irish yeah yeah Can someone tell me why, since the Notre Dame is in Paris, France, why the school of Notre Dame is an Irish Catholic school? There are questions we just don't ask, Erin, and this might be one of them. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. I I could Google it. I don't care enough to do so. So there we are. (laughs) God damn your skeptical nature. I know, it's horrible. So it's a bit of a bit of a spoiler, but if you don't know the outcome of the 2013 game at this point, then I think... (laughs) But uh, Notre Dame did lose. And they were talking about Manti wasn't playing up to his normal standard. You could tell something was affecting him. But can we keep in mind that Manti is a player on the team? He is not the entire team because they seem to really put a lot on this kid's shoulders, right? 
Right. I mean, the thing that could be affecting him couldn't possibly be the fact that they're losing, is it? Like, his face <laughs> is just his face. I wasn't sure, like, <laughs> you know. Yes. I. It's amazing. It's like, well, he just wasn't playing up to standard and they lost. And I'm like, that, he's one person. <laughs> Did he let right, right. every touchdown go through? Was that the problem? Anyway. I am so glad to get to this part of the story. <laughs> so, Jack and Tim have everything pulled together. They have their story ready to go. But... They kind of cite its journalism standards to contact the subjects of this story and ask for comment, right? And they specifically mention, you know, you can't just let it go open-ended forever. You contact them. You kind of have a certain window that you expect them to contact you back. And then they talk so much more about the fact that they didn't want basically to get scooped. They don't want to get scooped. Right. So they call Manti. They call his dad, Brian, and like 10 minutes later, they published it. I didn't, I was like, okay. They didn't answer the phone. <laughs> Seems quick, but what do I know as a substandard mystical journalist? Yes. I, yeah. But in their defense, they were probably like, well, we gave away the plot at this point because they've called and said, can we get comments? <laughs> so the minute Manti goes to Notre Dame, they could have put something out, right? They might've had something ready to go regardless. And so the minute that like someone called... Like, well, they didn't answer. Publish. Yes. It was really funny, though, to hear them talk. I mean, I was like, so they gave him like a week to respond? No, they gave him like less than an hour <laughs> in legitimate terms. And I was like, okay, because they are just terrified that the Teos will be able to get out in front of the story. The university will be able to respond first. They'll get scooped, all of these things. So to me, it felt like they had a checklist. This was the last box. They checked it like, look, phone records will show that we did contact them. And of course, Brian and Manti are like, yeah, we got these calls, but it was, we didn't really understand what it was. And so they didn't call back right away. And again, I'm thinking they probably get a lot of phone calls right now. There's probably a lot of people trying to get a hold of them. So I can imagine that this was just white noise and they didn't really pay attention to it. But I just thought it was really funny that they were like, well, it's all this journalistic. Um, we have so much more journalistic ethics than, say, the big publishers. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and it's in their favor to wait until the last minute to call these people for comment, right? Because if they would have done it when they started this, then, of course, <laughs> someone else would have got the story. So, yeah, they say four hours later, they published, or no, they published the story. Four hours later, Manti was in Florida preparing for the combine. His agent calls him and is like, listen, I need you to get in your car, go to your apartment, shut the door, and call me back. Manti's like, what he's like trust me it's gonna be a long day yes and that's when he pulls up the twitters and he sees everyone calling him horrible it's horrible people are mean they are very mean when he goes back to practice after the story breaks he's basically shunned he has to eat by himself which i was like that's it you know from the media darling to like the worst you know and then we get back into this thing the question becomes is he stupid and naive or is he in on it? And those are the only two options. Absolutely. I like how the university did speak on the issue. They stood up for Manti and they were trying to explain, this is a lot more elaborate hoax than you imagine. This isn't someone with a cutout lady's face on a man's body, putting that as a picture <laughs> with a man's voice saying it's a woman, right? It was right. pretty elaborate, but no one cares. You're right. Absolutely. No one cares. No one cared to take the time to learn what the story actually was they just wanted to throw their thoughts out there. Was he making this up because he was gay? 
that was the first one that most men went to. I, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess I think for a lot of men, that would be the worst thing that somebody could say about them. Oh and yeah. For men. Terrible. It's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. And then enter Dr. Phil. Oh, I almost pressed stop when he sat down. <laughs> I do. I'm like, well, this clearly isn't worth my watching. <laughs> Fucking hate that man so much. Oh, my notes literally say, normally I just have people's name written, but today it's fucking Dr. Phil. (laughs) Mine just says, we could have done without that jackass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His first comment was, well, my first impression of Rania was how immature, naive, and vulnerable he presented himself as. I mean, I believe Dr. Phil in all things that he says. Clearly, he knows everything. Well, I think presenting is a real psychological word. And Dr. Phil's not a licensed therapist. Not anymore. Yeah. Renaya says that she wants to speak the truth on Dr. Phil, but she doesn't really want to. She's hesitant to say anything that would still hurt Manti, right? She realizes he's in the public eye right now. There's a lot going on and she doesn't want to make it worse for him. But she did admit to being in love with him. And I appreciate that because it's a big statement. He just keep in mind that that she had just come out as gay to her family and so now on national television, she's coming out as gay. So that's a big step. So Dr. Phil says, I mean, he uh, he talked to all the most high intelligence of people who were in the government, who do voice recognition. He talked to all of them and played them these voicemail tapes. And all of them said, there's no way, no way at all that this could be the same person. I'm glad he has an in with those people. Well, again, here we are talking about potential junk science, right? Right. And the fact that he probably just made that shit up. <laughs> you know, Dr. Phil is probably like, I talked to all the people. He didn't talk to anyone. He listened to it. and He said, that doesn't sound like him and moved on. <laughs> That's what he did. You know that. I don't know. I do like the fact that he asked Renaya to recreate the voice. And Renaya was like, look, I have to be in a certain headspace and it has to be like, lit candles and I have to have a specific line and I'm saying that that's that's an exaggeration but Renee says I can't just like produce it on the spot it's got to be something that I get myself into character for so they do provide him a screen like a folding screen to get behind so you can only see like part of his shoulder or whatever and he starts to read the transcripts of some of the voicemails that Manti has released because he's like look this shit was convincing, y'all. Listen, <laughs> listen to what I was dealing with. And so people are stunned to hear the voicemails. And then, of course, they're trying to match up. Could this be Renaya or not? Right. And a lot of people think there are multiple people involved in the hoax. Right? Yeah. And Renaya's like, no, it was all me. Like, Renaya should do voice work for Disney or some shit. Because that's pretty impressive. Yes, it was. I do not believe it was the conspiracy that everybody is trying to, because there's there's no purpose. Nobody else was getting anything out of this. And so that's why I call kind of bullshit on this whole thing about, I don't know, there seem to be a lot of opinions about it. Jack seems to think that there are several peeps in on this. And this is Jack Dickey, the journalist, not the AD from Notre Dame. He did not speak on this particular instance. And the parents seem to think that there are at least two people involved because they talked to both a guy and a woman on that hours-long conversation 
with Lene's brother, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah. It's impressive when you hear Renaya recreate it. You can tell that it is the same person leaving the voicemails. It's crazy how good the voice is and how well she was able to do the multiple characters. There are SNL skits, of course, there are. There always are SNL skits. <laughs> there are people comparing him to Lance Armstrong, who at the time was being shunned for a doping scandal, and also Tiger Woods, who was being shunned for sleeping with everyone in the United States. <laughs> and apparently Manti is at that level of hate. And I'm like, this kid did nothing wrong, but was deceived by someone else. And you're putting him in the same category as these people. That's not okay. But I think that's the American public at its finest. I mean, I would even think that Lance Armstrong and Tiger would probably be held in higher regard because they weren't duped. <laughs> right. They duped right? everyone they else. They were yes. active participants in their own fuckery here. Yeah. So, yes, he is definitely a fallen hero. Um, he's among the most hated athletes. Again, they are really big about this probably gay thing, mm -hmm. which is not the insult that you think it is, everyone. It's <laughs> really not. No one cares. Right? Yeah. No. 100%. Even Jack, the reporter, said, I don't care what Manti Teo's sex life is or Renaya's sex life. I just wanted to show that the big news corporations weren't doing their jobs correctly. And apparently if everyone else was affected by that, then that's their problem and they're wrong. So I do have some beef with them saying like, we didn't think the story would go this way. We were, we were surprised. We didn't have the control over it that we thought we did. And I'm like, okay, now you guys are also being extremely naive. Right. I don't know if it is a, a naivety that you go into it thinking, this is what I want to portray and everyone will read it that way. But you didn't spell it out that way in the article, most likely. Or you knew it would happen and you're trying later to be like, well, we didn't think it'd be quite that bad. You know what I mean? I don't know. We didn't know it would affect someone's life the way it did, the work that we put into it. I don't know. It's it's stupid. Well, again, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what was some of the fallout that happened because of this article? What would you say the biggest was? Well, the biggest was Manti was meant to be a first round draft pick and they get to the draft and he doesn't go in the first round. Now that is a big deal when it comes to not just your pride, but contracts and money and all of these things. He just lost a ton not being a first round draft pick. And so what blows my mind is the NFL has people on their teams that do drugs, that drink and drive, that beat their girlfriends, that murder people. And they continuously put them out in the field every week without an issue. But this, this is where you draw the line on the drama? Come on now, fucking stop it. Mm -hmm. He does go, I think he's the first in the second round, and he goes to the Chargers. Yeah, he was the 38th overall pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's pretty pumped about that. He did find a place there, and I, I was glad for that. But yeah, I think this really hit him in the pocketbook, and that's extremely unfortunate for something that he did not do right and I'm pretty sure San Diego probably thought they got the deal of a lifetime because here they got the best player in that position in the country for a steal essentially because he didn't go in the first round so right win-win the other issue that comes along with it is he has now this anxiety playing on the field that he never had before. He used to dominate the field. That was where he was comfortable. That's where he felt at home. 
And now when he goes out in the field, he has almost debilitating anxiety. And it's probably very difficult for him to play because he's questioning everything he does. So that's another effect of what he went through. Right. He did have, I mean, he played for several years. I wouldn't say it was quite 10 years. It seemed like he played for the Chargers for a little while. And then he actually played for... Fuck, I didn't write it down, but he, he did change teams a couple times. He had some injuries, so he didn't really live up to the potential that was planned for him, right? So he was able to find a therapist that worked with him on forgiving himself for being part of this, um, which kind of ties into this inability to function on the field as he had before. He didn't trust himself. It was showing in the way he was playing. And so he did find someone to talk about that with, and it seems like he was able to resolve it to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's a shame. He said it took like three years for him to finally get a therapist. Can you imagine living with that kind of anxiety like that for three years? But he did find a therapist who was able to help him. So that's amazing. As for Renaya, after Lene ended, he realized he wanted to be a she moved back to America, Samoa, where there's a very large LGBTQ support. They don't necessarily have the word trans there, but they have a very big group of people who are very supportive of that life. And she does Polynesian dance, it looks like, very well. I enjoyed watching it. So she seems to be more comfortable now that she's transitioned. I'm sure that had a lot to do with her behavior when she was younger and I'm not condoning it I'm not saying everyone who's parents is going to do that but I understand the mentality of I want to live this life that I can't live and maybe I can live it this way without really thinking about the consequences because she was a kid like you said she's just a kid so it seemed that she learned through the experience of being Lene and to some degree I would say that she's certainly sorry for the grief that she caused but I don't know how you would be expected to make up for something like that. Yeah. I don't know that you can. What I like is that Manti does say in the video that if Renaya ever watched this, he wanted her to know that he forgave her, right? It's in the past. What happened happened and I forgive you. And that's, that's kind of a big deal. It's hard to forgive someone who might have potentially ruined your life. So. Yes. And even to the point where he said, Manti said to Renaya, I hope you and your family are well. I hope you're good. And I thought, that's what I'm talking about. This guy just seems to be among the best. He just seems like a just a real human being and doesn't hold on to that grudge. He says that he's playing for the people that are looking for inspiration, like his story. So he was like, yep, there are going to be one million memes one million bad comics, you know, political satire type situations. He was like, that's fine. I'm gonna let that roll off my back. But there'll be one kid. There'll be one person who understands moving through this kind of adversity. And that's the person that I'm going to play for and try to do my best for. And I thought, man, you are a silver lining dude. This coming from someone who is also pretty positive most of the time, but I'm like, I can dig it. Yes. Right. And now we're a decade removed from it, right? It probably took a while to get to that point. I would imagine even if you say to yourself, oh, yes, I forgive Renaya. Saying it and actually believing it are two different things. And when he says it now, it sounds like he genuinely means it. So that's good. I hope Naya can also forgive herself because, you know, she takes responsibility. 
but that's a big deal. And so hopefully she's able to forgive herself and move on and just be the amazing, beautiful woman she's going to be. Right, right. I do believe that Manti ended up getting married. He's got a couple kids. They seem to be good. They're living off, um, I don't know what she does. I think she's like a fitness expert or something. And they're kind of living off, you know, the money that he earned as a professional football player and doing their thing. And it seems to be good. So I think the resolution of this was as about as, as good as it could but have oh, let me try that again. <laughs> about as good as could have been expected. <laughs> Right? Yes. So the resolution was good in the end. Yes. Yes. For it seems like most everyone involved, since Naya is now able to be a woman and Manti is married and has a family. So everyone has moved in the direction they were meant to be. So that's good. All is well in Whoville. Okay. So what do we do next week? So we're going to do a documentary called Gather. It is on Netflix, released in 2020, a short one at about an hour and 14 minutes. This is about indigenous people, and they are trying to reclaim their culture through food sovereignty is the tagline, the quick description of this. I'm curious to watch what food sovereignty means. I don't know that phrase. But I do like the idea of understanding a little bit more about Indigenous folks and what they're trying to do. And I'm pumped. I'd like to see it. Right. We decided that with Columbus Day coming up, we don't like celebrating Columbus Day because he was a dick and a horrible killer of peoples. So we want to do an Indigenous documentary for that week instead and celebrate them and their culture and how they're trying to get their culture back. So. That's what we're going to do. And hopefully it's amazing. I'm sure it will be. Well, they're talking about food, so I'm probably going to like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll ask you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Go Doc Yourself. We love comments. We love any kind of recommendations or just uh, shout outs here and there is always nice to have. So I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. Yes. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next week. Great. Laters. Bye. Bye.